This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 8, Episode 43. I'm John DiCarlo, the editor of OwlScoop.com. It's just me this week, although we do... Want to wish a happy birthday to AlScoop.com's assistant editor, Kyle Gauss. If you haven't already, give him a follow on Twitter and wish him a happy birthday. And if you are following Kyle, you know he keeps probably the most detailed Temple football and basketball database around. So when you're watching a game and somebody breaks a program record or does anything, Kyle is usually the first to report it. So join me in wishing him a very happy birthday with uh, with him and his family. Hope he has a good weekend. I'm sure he will. So it's just me. This week, because the bulk of this podcast is going to be my interview with Fran Duffy, the Philadelphia Eagles production manager and on-air talent. He does Eagles pregame and postgame shows with Ike Reese and Gabrielle DiGiovanni. He hosts the Eagle Eye in the Sky and Journey to the Draft podcasts. And he got a start back in 2006 as the Temple football video coordinator under Al Golden. And we've talked to Fran at least once a year, usually a little before or after the NFL draft. We weren't able to get him before the draft this season, wanted to wait a couple of weeks until Sean Desai spoke. And Sean, of course, is the Eagles' new defensive coordinator. And he got a start as Al Golden's, one of Al Golden's grad externs or grad assistants. So Fran started off at Temple when he was still finishing his undergraduate degree and was with Al during his entire tenure and was part of that star-studded staff that included people like Matt Rule, who of course took Temple's program to some some pretty impressive heights before going on to Baylor and the Panthers, and now back in the college ranks as the head coach at Nebraska, where he has several former Temple staffers with him there. Ryan Day was on that staff, who of course is the head coach at Ohio State. And like I said, Sean Desai is now the Eagles' new defensive coordinator. So if you're a Temple football fan and Eagles fan, you're really going to enjoy this episode. Fran and I talked about those early formative days on Al Golden's staff and being around all those great coaches as they turn things around. Fran and I talked about how there are now five coaches on Nick Sirianni's staff with Temple Ties. So in addition to Sean Desai, you have linebackers coach DJ Elliott, who we all know was Dan Drayton's defensive coordinator last season. And we know that was a really big loss for the Owls just as they had started spring ball a couple months ago. Ron L. Williams, you know, if you're a, a really dedicated Temple football fan and you scour the roster and the, the coaches' bios every year, you might know that Ron L. Williams was a grad assistant and defensive analyst under Jeff Collins before his time with the Bears. He's now the Eagles Nichols coach. Then you have Tabor Johnson, who was Jeff Collins' defensive coordinator at Temple back in 2017 before he went back to Ohio State. He's Nick Sirianni's assistant defensive backs coach. And then Tyler Yelk, who was part of Rod Carey's staff, is Nick Sirianni's assistant to the head coach. So if you're an Eagles fan, you've probably read by now, I'm sure, how thorough Nick Sirianni is when doing these hires. Sean Desai just talked about that to the the beat reporters here in town about how his hire was the most thorough hiring process he's been a part of. So with Nick having five guys on his staff with Temple Ties, these guys really went through a pretty exhaustive hiring process. And that's something Fran and I talked about in this interview that you're about to hear. Uh, We talked about two former Temple players in the Eagles roster and linebacker and special team standout Sean Bradley. And of course, Hassan Reddick, who, as you all know, has become arguably the best edge rusher 
in the NFL. Another thing Fran does, I think, as well as anyone covering the NFL now, I think, is he can really break down film, offenses, defenses, coverages. Uh, in his podcast, you'll hear him cut up tape with people like Greg Cosell of NFL Films. And Fran and I talked about the evolution of Jalen Hurts and, and just the, the remarkable turnaround and, and uh, growth in his game. So again, if you're a Temple football fan and an Eagles fan, I think this episode will be the the best of both worlds for you. Uh, Before we get started with my conversation with Fran, a reminder, as always, that The Scoop is now brought to you by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or the highway in the crash with someone else's fault, the insurance company will not be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win in Pennsylvania or New York. Call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. So here's my conversation as promised with Fran Duffy, the Eagles production manager and on-air talent. Again, a little bit of everything here from Jalen Hurts to Hassan Reddick to Sean Bradley to Sean Desai and all the Temple ties on Nick Sirianni's staff. And stick around after because I have a few recruiting updates for you on the other side as well before we close things out. I'm really excited to be talking again to Fran Duffy, our friend from the Eagles. He's a production manager and on-air talent with the Eagles, hosts a couple of really good podcasts there. I can't think of anything that you don't do, pregame stuff, postgame stuff. Uh, and I think, among other things, people can say that they really learn a lot about the game from you. Fran, uh, you got your start as, as Temple's video coordinator under Al Golden. Really appreciate you doing this. Uh, how you doing? Don, I'm doing great, man. And I, I appreciate the kind words. It's uh, it's crazy because um, I'm now coming up on my, I guess it'll be my 13th season working with the Eagles, which will be my now 18th season working full-time uh, in football. And uh, I think about that as I'm getting ready to turn 37. It's like, all right, it's like almost half my life. And so literally mm-hmm. like half my life ago was when I started at Temple, like working full-time uh, with the Owls. And so uh, just crazy to feel like how, like it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was a, a long, long time ago. So a lot of a lot of great stuff to to get into, and we appreciate your time. And just a, a quick start, even just as we're sitting here today on a, on a Tuesday afternoon, mini camp is getting going. People are excited, fans are excited to hear from people like Sean Desai. We'll talk about him in a second. What's this time of the year like for you, as opposed to draft craziness or the craziness of the season? On a scale of one to ten, how busy are you compared to other times of the year? Uh, definitely a little bit lighter than what it has been for me. Like, so I would say like for me personally, and my, my work schedule is a little bit different than like others in my department, just because, you know, the, the season ends and depending on how deep the Eagles go into the postseason, um, that will determine like what I'm getting ready to do, whether it's jumping right into the college football, all-star games, like the shrine bowl and the senior bowl, or if I'm going right into combine prep, obviously with the Eagles going into the super bowl this year, it was jumping right into combine prep right away. And so um, that was, was like you know there was no break whatsoever like going right into the combine go out there i'm out in indianapolis for you know eight days nine days whatever it was come back um you know the and then the rest of the off season is soon to follow right like free agency is right there and so there was really no break for me uh up until i got to this point and so it's definitely a little bit lighter um this is when my vacations start this is when the the, the golf clubs come out of uh semi-retirement uh and all that so it definitely gets a little bit lighter up until uh you know or what was it mid mid-july and that's when things start to pick up, you know, really into high gear. Uh, there's a one of the cool things to talk about today is there's a distinct temple presence with the Eagles now. You're, you're 
uh, with all the assistant coaches that, that Nick Sirianni has. And you're part of that, of course, again, like having started your career with, with Al back in 2006. Now Nick has five coaches on that staff with Temple Ties, starting with uh, a guy that everybody was really looking forward to hearing from late last week, and that's the new defensive coordinator and Sean Desai. You know, there's so much we'll get into with your story and the team and all the great work you're doing, but I wanted to start with Sean. Now I, all the eyes of the fan base are on, are on him. They're they're locked in on him as a defensive coordinator. He'll get all the praise and criticism and everything in between that comes with that job just as his predecessors have. But you were with him back in 2006 when, when Sean came in as a grad extern for academics, and he had been the defensive coordinator and wide receivers coach at his former high school in Connecticut before he came to Temple. So you, you've known him for a long time. What can you tell us about the 2006 version of Sean Desai that, that walked through the doors at, at Berg Olson Hall? Yeah, I mean, that, that first season, obviously everyone, you know, it's funny because knowing that we were going to have this discussion, I was just kind of thinking back to those days. And like I said, that was a while ago now. Um, but, you know, college football was a different landscape back then. You know, now uh, every team has, you know, was it like six GAs and five analysts? And there's, a, there's, so there's like an endless uh, amount of coaches and assistant coaches and support staff. Well, you know, back then the limit was two on-field GAs and that was it. Like you had your position coaches, you had two GAs, and then that was that. Um, you know, and now obviously like other teams were able to get around that, but Temple in 2006, just a couple of years removed from being kicked out of the big East and on the brink of being eliminated as a, as a sport uh, by the university, uh, we did not have those kinds of resources, right? So it was literally an all hands on deck operation with everything that you did. And so, um, you know, that first year in 2006, uh, under coach golden, we went one and 11. Um, you know, I was a student that first year. I was a student assistant that first year. Uh, Sean was, as you mentioned, a graduate extern working with academics, but, uh, everybody kind of had their hands in everything. And so I remember that first summer I was very involved um, with working with the Al Golden football camp. And so I spent a lot of time like at the copier, like copying uh, all the uh, the entry forms for a lot of students. And the copier was right next to Sean's desk. And so, um, you know, spending a lot of time with both he uh, and Jason Freeman, who we worked very closely with, uh, with the academic staff. And, um, you know, from that point on, uh, Sean just got more and more and more and more work every single year from the football side of things. Um, you know, uh, basically he took over working with the special teams and breaking down all the special teams film. And so while we didn't have, like, he wasn't a GA uh, per se, while he was doing all of his academic work he essentially became the special teams GA, you know, working with the coaching staff. And so, you know, every single week I was in charge of getting all of the game film for the upcoming opponent. And so, uh, you know, it's week three and we just played Buffalo. All right. Well, in week four, we're playing Kent state. So I've got to make sure all the Kent state film gets to Sean so that he can break down Kent state's special teams. And so, you know, like I said, he and I uh, worked very, very closely from the, from that respect. And so I saw the, you know, the kind of uh, work ethic that Sean uh, displayed back then to say like, you know, the, Oh yeah, I knew, he was going to be a, uh, the future defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, 14 years from now. Uh, that would be silly to say, but, you know, certainly you saw like he was going to work as hard as anybody in that building. Is it kind of cool to think back? Like there was a lot on the line for Al at that time. Here's a guy who was a, a young, popular defensive coordinator, and he might have been able to pick his spots eventually. And you know this, we've talked about this a million times. He had every reason to say, maybe I'll wait for another opportunity to come up. Takes the Temple job, was the one guy that said, I can do it. I can, we can get back to being relevant. It was the worst, least desirable job in the, in the country. And he brought in this great staff that we'll talk about in a second, but he entrusted important jobs to, 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 to people like Sean, to people like you. And, 
and wasn't afraid to, to give people opportunities to show their worth. And you did that and he did that. And you look at where you are now and where Sean is now, the way you guys have worked your way up. There's something kind of cool about that, right? Because he could have surrounded himself with a bunch of older people and saying, I, I can't take a, I can't take a single chance in any of these jobs because this is a complete, complete rebuild. And he didn't always do that in some of those, those positions. That's kind of cool to think back on, right? Well, and that's the thing is like, you know, I never looked at it as, um, you know, like, oh, like he's, he's out for like himself and to like cover his own behind. Right. Like to me, he took risks on, he took a risk on me. Right. Like I, I was a, a student assistant that, um, you know, just tried to like grind and work as much as I could and try and like help the coaches and help the players like any way I could. And, you know, whether it was uh, cutting practice film and getting the practice film ready, getting the game film ready, working on highlight videos and motivational videos for team meetings and stuff like that. Um, and he gave me a huge opportunity and I'll always be indebted to him, uh, for that. And I, I have told him that in the past. And, um, you know, to me, like when you look at, uh, so many people just from that first staff, like in 2006, I mean, it's wild to look back at that, you know, almost two decades later and say like, man, like, you know, George DeLeon was the offensive coordinator. By that point, like uh, Coach DeLeon's resume, you know, spoke for itself. He was right. um, one of the best offensive line coaches in the history of the game. Um, you know, was one of the, uh, the, you know, the architects of some great offenses, not just in college, but in the NFL. Uh, after that job, went on to, to coach in the NFL for a little bit longer. Um, he just passed last year, just, just over yeah. a year ago uh, at this time. Um, you know, Coach D'Onofrio, you know, went with him down to Miami. Uh, he's coached coaching in college football still. Um, Bob Bicknell, uh went on. He left after that first year. He was the offensive line coach in 2006. He went on. He's been an NFL assistant pretty much every single year since then. Ryan Day was the wide receivers coach. He hired him as a GA out of Florida. Ryan Day was the GA uh, at Florida in 2005. He, become, he coached the wide receivers in 2006 at Temple, uh, and now obviously the, the head coach at Ohio State. Uh, the first position coach that I worked closely with was Matt Rule. He was the defensive line mm -hmm. coach. The first like uh, teach tape that I put together, like that first spring in 2006, like oh, like these are the different drills that I'm going to be able to teach these guys. Like was Coach Rule's uh, defensive line tape, and you know obviously he went on to to bigger and better things. Andrew Dees uh, was the tight ends coach. He was a longtime assistant in the NFL after leaving Temple. He was with the Buffalo Bills, uh, with the Chargers, I believe now. Uh, in the league office. Jeff Nixon was the running backs coach, le le left that offseason and was with the Philadelphia Eagles here for a few years, Miami Dolphins. He's been around the NFL um, you know, for a, a bunch of years since then. Mike Saravo with Carolina Panthers most recently. Um, you know, Paul Williams is still a, a, a defensive backs coach. He's out in Stanford now. He was just in Wake right. Forest. He was in Illinois under Lovie Smith. And so um, you just look around, you know, even like, like Pat Stewart was the assistant uh, DFO uh, that year. Yeah. He went on, and then now he's uh, he's been in the in the, the Patriots front office for a long time, and he was just most recently, the, I believe, the director of player personnel uh, with the Panthers last year. Right? It was just you just go yeah. down that list of that first staff, and it's it's kind of wild. It's it's awesome to reflect back um, just on what year one was, and obviously uh, there were a lot of other great coaches there as well uh, over the the entirety of Al's tenure. Yeah, our friend Ryan Roters at uh, yeah. yet now spent yep. he survived a, a couple of coaching changes with with the with Giants, the Giants. Yep. along the way got to got to work with Daniel Jones and again I know that everybody has their successful coaching trees and and I, you and I may be biased of course because you were part of the program I've covered it for a long time but it is it's hard that was again that job was not an easy sell and it's really I think kind of hard to nail it on pretty much every person for that type of rebuild. What, what was it like being in the building at that time where they're like, it, cause it takes a lot again. And it took like, Al used to say one of his many cliches, like chipping away at the rock or whatever he used to say. And among all pound the, the rock, others, like, yeah, pound the rock. Yeah. 
but for everybody to be kind of moving in the same direction and you intersecting with all those coaches, did you ever kind of, as, as you started to hit maybe some of these milestones, okay, first conference win, getting to a first bowl game. And again, some of those guys, not all of them were there that whole time, but when have you kind of throughout the years looked around and said, wow, that really was a pretty special staff for as long as these guys, because it's not uncommon for some guys to just leave the sport and get into something else. Have over the years, have you kind of continued to look back and say, that was a pretty special staff. No, I think about it all the time uh, as, as I wish, you know, you know, it's funny. Um, one of the things I look back on, because again, when I got hired, I was 20 years old. Like I couldn't even yeah. get a drink to celebrate uh, officially uh, get a drink to celebrate when I got hired. And, you know, I was, I was a young kid, like trying to fit this, was my first like real job, like trying to figure my way through. And it was, I was, uh, and Al always, you know, publicly, you know, praised my work and, mm-hmm. you know, what I did for the program and things like that. But like, you know, I was, I was all over the place, like trying to figure out like, all right, this is like, this is what, this is how I have to uh, work. This is how I have to act and follow in what the coaches, you know, what, what their footsteps were and other coaches uh, on that staff, you know, and it's, it's interesting, like thinking back, like I wish I was able to get more out of them from like a football standpoint and really kind of uh, continue to get better, you know, from a professional standpoint, but um, just kind of follow in their footsteps. Like this is, this is the work ethic that is required if we're going to get this job done. And it was working a hundred plus hour weeks. It was, you know, Hey, if you get in at 6am, you're like, you're the last one in. If you leave at six o'clock, you're the first one out. Um, you know, and that, that's not like the healthiest way to live, but it was what was required to get the program to where it needed to, you know, to get it out of where it was. Um, you know, and so to me, uh, it's it's awesome to think back on that. I look back on that thinking like, um, you know, very, very lucky to have that opportunity. But uh, yeah, it was it was a special group. It was awesome. It was thinking back. And look, we didn't we didn't get to do everything that I think what our plan was. Right. We, we never won the Mac when I was there. We never uh, won a bowl game when I was there. But re- reaching the milestones we did get and then seeing the, what the program was able to do afterwards, you know, right. uh, beat. I was there on the field when they beat Penn State, you know, at the link. I was able to you know, I was there for, uh, you know, some of those kind of milestones and um you know after i left obviously and was already with the eagles and so it was it was very cool uh just to kind of watch the the program continue to excel from afar yeah and you guys certainly set the table for all that like you said getting back to sean for a second we know that obviously the the intricacies of his scheme will will that all that stuff will reveal itself during camp july and august into the season and but he, he talked last Thursday about how he wants, uh, I think one of the things that, that resonated with fans and readers and listeners was that he wants people to really feel this defense. And he had that anecdote where he asked his players if they knew what the, uh, the word uh, palpable and what it meant. And, it, you know, here and there, you, yep. you, you're in group chats with friends. I talked to a few fans who, you know, thought that was cool. And that was a pleasant surprise because I think some people hear about him. They're like, wow, he has this, he has a doctorate and he's this, this wise, removed, different kind of guy. And, but it seems like he came in, and at least again, you don't win things in press conferences, but I think that was something that resonated. Have you seen, like, did he kind of have that aggressive mindset? I mean, people talk ad nauseum about the temple tough thing, but it is true. And then there's an identity in this city with football. Has he always been like that? Or have you kind of seen him evolve as you guys have stayed in touch, obviously, as he worked his way through the NFL? I mean, you had to have that mindset to be able to survive in that building with that team. I'm talking right. about the, those temple teams, right? Like if, if you didn't have that, 
you were not a fit for that staff and for mm-hmm. what we were trying to do. So um, I think you kind of had to have that. And so, yeah, he, I mean, he fought, you know, coach golden brought him, brought him with him, brought Sean with him to Miami uh, for a reason. Right. And I think that that's uh, a big reason why is that, you know, just having that work ethic, having that attitude, um, having that mentality, you know, Sean mentioned uh, last Thursday, um, you know, the, like the, talking about defense here in Philadelphia and they, the, the standard that the city has for that side of the ball. Uh, you know, when, when he and I first got hired at Temple, you know, Jim Johnson was the defensive coordinator still uh, for mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that was the standard, you know, at the time. And I think when you look at, um, you know, the way that he wants to play defense and you talk about, you know, he wants uh, teams to feel the feel the, the Eagles defense are going to run, they're going to hit, they're going to play smart. Uh, he talked about some of the other different elements that he's going to try and incorporate. Um, not giving away too much, obviously, because, right. you, you know, you can play, you can play as coy as you want or as you can uh, at this point in the year. But, um, you know, I think that that's going to be one of the identities, I think, of this defense. Well, you've, you've known him for a while. Have you guys stayed in touch a lot through the years just as he's gone through his different jobs? Not, not as much as and I, that's honestly, John, like that's one of the things like I'm terrible at. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, like you do such a better job of keeping in touch with me than I, that I do. I'm, I'm also so not breaking that. down. I, and I want to ask you about this as I do every year. I'm also not responsible for breaking down. God knows how many college players every year. And then <laughs> reciting stuff about them. Like it's out of an encyclopedia. So you, your hands are certainly full. So yeah, I, I honestly, that's one of the things that I wish I would do a better job of. And I, I mentioned, like, I wish that I had picked uh, the brains of those guys, of the coaches more when I was there. And there, you know, there are some of those coaches and some of those, uh, the, some of the other members of the staff that I do keep tough choice. I do consider friends you know, to this day and talk with regularly and see them yearly. You know, you go to the combine. It's funny, um, you know, uh, on the uh, Journey of the Draft podcast on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, one of my uh, co-hosts here with the Eagles is uh, Gabriella Giovanni, and she just right. came with me to the combine uh, for the first year this year. And so, you know, we're kind of showing her the ropes. Hey, this is what this is what the schedule looks like. This is, you know, we're going to do this during the day, this in the morning, at night, yada, yada, yada. Um, and every step along the way would run across someone and I would say, oh, yeah, like, this guy played at Temple, you know, yeah. oh, this is, you know, this is Ella. Oh, hey, you know, he and I worked together at Temple. And it was like, it was the end of the week and we were going to the airport and we were actually, we had gotten to the airport, we got to our gate and there was one more former Temple player. It was uh, actually, it was a uh, former Temple receiver, Rod Streeter, who's now an, a a North, an area scout with the Eagles. Um, and I said, oh yeah, you know, you know, Rod played at Temple. And she was like, how many Temple people are in there? It's just, yeah. it's, it's very cool. Uh, you know, just kind of going back to the earlier point, like, um, you know, it's, uh, so it's, it's cool to be able to keep touch. I wish I did a better job of it. It's definitely not one of my strong point for sure. When you look back at, at how uh, Sean's predecessor, you, you, you look at that, the expectations that any coordinator has, it's always, again, when, when there's a great game, people love the coordinators. When there's not a good game, people want the coordinators fired, talk radio phones light up. And you saw what Jonathan Gannon recently said about uh, his time in Philly now with the Cardinals. And that was kind of a polarizing thing, but I also don't want to take away from the, a lot of the good things he did. But when you look at Sean, how do you think he'll handle that weight here now being in Philly where fans want like, you know, you know what fans want zero blitzes, you know, man coverage, you blitz on every play. We don't take any crap. Like, and again, like that stuff's fun, but there's more that, that goes into it that fans don't want to hear about. How do you think you'll handle those expectations week in and week out where this is obviously I'm not breaking any news when I say this is a huge Philly uh, football town. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would imagine that he's going to handle it well. Right. I mean, you, he knows what the standard is. Uh, he mentioned that in the press conference, he knows what the expectation is. Uh, and I would say, you know, having been in this town all my whole life, just like you, like, um, you know, you look at the Philly sports landscape in terms of like the toughest jobs, like Eagles head coach, Eagles quarterback are like one and two. Mm-hmm. And then it's 
like Sixers head coach, Phillies head coach, and Eagles defensive coordinator are in some order, like three, four, five. I think that's like yeah. uh, a fair thing to say. And there during the fall, I think that the defense coordinator is probably number three, uh, yeah. you know, in that pecking order. So um, I, look, it's, it's a, it's not a, uh, an easy job for sure. But um, you know, I think that, you know, Sean, especially when you look to some of the places that he has coached uh, that have, have high expectations on that side of the ball, you know, Chicago, certainly another team that uh, and city that kind of has that mentality and has that, expectation on that side some of the coaches that he has worked with you know Vic Fangio Pete Carroll um you know and you even go to Al, like you go to Al as well and say like mm-hmm. yeah like in terms of like not just the expectations intern or externally but those internal expectations are going to be there as well um so and I, I think Nick Sirianni is the same way you know he's uh he's not going to be happy if the defense does not perform well right and he's not he's going to make sure that uh that opinion is felt so um yeah I don't think that any expectations externally uh they are not going to be more than what he's going to face internally I want to go back to you. I think, you know, you're kind enough to do this every year, normally like around the time of the draft and, and we're happy to, to be able to fit this conversation. in now I want you to tell your story. Some, some of our loyal listeners have heard this before, but for those who haven't, tell us your story about how you got involved with the temple football program. Again, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, you weren't coming in the door as a guy who had been in the business a few years. You were a full-time undergraduate student Fran, it wasn't that long ago you were my you're my uh advanced sports reporting class and you did a great job there and i remember joking around saying like you've got <laughs> you didn't have a whole lot of time on your hands tell us about uh tell our listeners about how you got that job and how it all came together because it's a really cool story yeah, basically, I got to Temple in the the fall of 2004 as a true freshman, um, you know, and I was doing like some freelance writing, you know, I definitely wanted to be in like sports media. And so I was doing some uh, freelance writing for some fantasy football websites. I got my work published, you know, covering uh, whether it was fantasy football or the NFL draft, um, be, like mainly like 2005 into 2006. I was published on like KFFL, Yahoo Sports, Pro Football Weekly, a couple of magazines here and there, um, you know, I was doing like some radio hits. And then uh, Coach Golden got hired in December of 2005 and in January of 2006 um, someone pointed me along to a flyer that was like hey like you know looking for football video assistance like if you're interested like come by and so I walked over to Edberg Olson Hall I didn't even know how to get to EO at that point mm-hmm. uh, walked over to Edberg Olson Hall uh, on the corner of campus um, talked to my boss of that who's going to be my boss and he basically was like yeah, like you're hired. When I talked to him about like what my passions were. And uh, so literally like that day, uh, I remember I went in for my interview and I sat down and he was like, yeah, you know, like right now I've got uh, four games of uh, Denver Broncos offense. I think it was Denver Broncos offense that I'm putting into our system for our coaches to break down. And I had never seen coaching tape before in my life at this point because mm-hmm. I was not like readily available to the media at that point. Uh, this is again, like January, 2006, February, 2006. And I'm looking at this like, this is, this is unbelievable. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, like, this is, this is awesome. I I will be back tomorrow morning. And so, um, you know, from that point uh, we had the, the first, that first spring uh, and it was that June, a few months later, my boss who hired me, uh, actually quit. He was, you know, it was just like, you know, family things like, you know, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm actually going to go home. Um, and so I was like the, over the summer, I kind of took care of the office, took care of any of the needs of the coaches, uh, but they were going to hire his replacement. That replacement showed up the night before training camp, uh, that first year. Uh, and I brought him in and, you know, they picked him up from the airport. Um, and he had been out of the business for a couple of years, but he had done the job as a video coordinator at the, uh, the, the division one level. Um, I mentioned earlier, like if you don't have like that mindset that you were not going to fit in that building, uh, the guy that had that job in 2006, like did not have that mindset for that building, right. unfortunately. And so, um, you know, just things did not go well. And it was, I want to say it was like a, a Wednesday night. It was like 1030 at night. 
I was walking the hall. It was like late October or mid no early November. It was towards the end. Of, it was the, the back end of the season. And Coach Golden saw me in the hallway. And again, it was like, you know, the, late at night. And he said, Frank, can I grab you real quick? And I said, yeah. So I went into his office and he said, uh, look, you know, we're going to make a change at this position, you know, after the season. And a lot of the coaches think that you can do the job. Like, do you want to do the job? And now, again, I'm a, I'm a junior in college at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't even need to think about it. Like, yes. I will take that. I will take the job. Um, and so it was done uh, basically right after the season ended. Uh, I got hired January of 2007. Uh, I was 20 years old. And we, I remember talking with Kevin Lorenz, who was the Eagles uh, sports information or the, the, the uh, Temple's sports information uh, director for football at that yeah. time. And Kevin did all the research. He was like, yeah, you were the youngest uh, Division One football uh, video coordinator uh, in the country. Uh, and I was like, oh, that, that's that's really cool. All right, now like now what? And so, um, you know, went from there. And I basically like took uh, I took classes in the spring. I took like a part time uh, slate of classes in the spring. Took classes all through the summer, and then did not take any classes in the fall. Uh, it took me seven years to graduate. I ended up getting my degree in August of 2011, right when I started here with the Eagles. I took my last class online uh, from a dorm room in Lehigh. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a uh, like a stress relief class, <laughs> like for like, <laughs> like two credits that I needed. That was the right. final two credits I needed uh, to graduate. So I took that final class from the dorm room in Lehigh for my first training camp here with the Eagles. And uh, yeah, that was that. Took off from there. What was it like to manage that when, again, this wasn't like a, a plug and play situation. I know I keep saying that, but I think maybe the younger generation of Temple fan, I know I sound kind of like a like an old boomer when I say this. They they again, Stan Drayton still has a lot of work to do in rebuilding the, you know, the the last couple of years of the Rod Carey era, but the program is in much better hands than when Al got it. And again, it wasn't just like you walk in and everything's in the right place. Even the stuff that Sean could talk about with like the, getting the academics in order with all the APR stuff that, that the program had taken a hit with. He comes to you and says, we think you can do the job. Other coaches think you can do the job as a full-time student. You get past the excitement of like, yeah, how am I going to turn this down? Um, was it just something that you really truly didn't think about until after you left and went to the Eagles where you're like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to get a whole lot of sleep, but this is too exciting to pass up. You know, it was one of those things where like, honestly, I was already like kind of doing it right. right. Where, um, you know, that first fall in 2006, when I was a student, um, you know, that we had a, uh, so a medical emergency with one of my coworkers, one of the other students. And uh, during practice, uh, an ambulance had to come and take him away. And I, you know, I was pretty close to the kid. And so, you know, I was there when the incident happened. Uh, and so I actually rode in the ambulance w- uh, with him. And so that was during practice. And so uh, as uh, everything was kind of coming to a head, like our right, practice ends, coaches are coming off the field. They want all the film from practice. Nothing was ready because I was gone. And I think that was like when they were like, Oh, like, all right. Like, yeah. Fran is the one kind of uh, like running the show back here. So we, 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 I think that's why when they kind of made that decision. And so honestly, I, I say all that to say that um, it wasn't a huge like change in responsibilities for me. I had already been kind of doing the job. Now it was just going to be like me and title. And I, I loved it. Like it was, it was, it was a crazy, crazy grind. Like, yeah. Like, Hey, I'm getting up at four 45 in the morning to uh, get on the train or walk down when I eventually moved onto campus, like walking down the street to get to EO. Um, yeah. Like I'm going to be working like super late on Thursday nights before, you know, working like all pulling all nighters every Thursday night, working on the highlight film to show the team uh, in the hotel on Friday night or uh, you know, all, all of the, the, the crazy hours. Yeah. Sunday is a crazy long day and I'm working up. I'm up all night on Saturday night after the game. Um, 
but like I loved it. It was it was awesome. I was working in football. Like I, I could not have asked for uh, anything more at that time. Um, you know, and looking back, like it was just uh, those were uh, formulative years uh, for sure for my professional development. Some of the former players laugh and they and they smile when they they tell stories about like some of those those highlight videos and some of like the hype videos to get like because Al was big again, very much the CEO type picking out movie clips and stuff. Can you give me an example of like when he came to you was like Fran, give me this clip from this movie, put it together as only he can. I have John. I'm not. I so we just moved right. I just got. I got a new house uh, in December, like where we moved just before Christmas, and so I had to go through all of my stuff, um, mm-hmm. and came across a box in my basement. I have all the DVDs from like those movies, and so like I couldn't. I'm not sitting down and watching all of them like right now, but at some point uh, I do want to go back through that. I I, I want to say like that that was a not a weekly thing. That was a daily task. Was mm-hmm. like. What kind of thing can we do to motivate the players today? And I remember there was one, my first full-time year. So it was 2007. I want to say it was like week one or week two. And it was like a Wednesday. It was like, right, you know, it was a ra- random meeting. And uh, I put, I don't even remember what the idea was, but I did something with like a certain song that like, it was like a throwback song that the players like all got into. And it was like with a funny clip from practice the day before. Right. So it was like a, a Tuesday practice clip, like something funny. And it led into a song that had a graphic, like, you know, attack the day at the end. And the players all like got out of the meeting. Everyone's like laughing, like, you know, having a good time. And they all leave the meeting and Al grabs me inside. And he's like, bro, that was it. Like, that is what I want every day. Like that, like you, you're laughing because you know, like that's exactly well, it starts every other like, sentence with bro. Yeah, bro, bro. That was, oh. that was it right there. And yeah. so like, that was always the goal was like, just, it, it doesn't have to be like funny, but like mm-hmm. bring energy to the team every single day and like, get them excited, like go into meetings, go into practice, like go to the workout, like whatever it was. And so, um, you know, we did like, crazy like top 10 plays from the week uh things where i'm like doing the espn music downloading that from uh from uh from youtube and throwing graphics up all right we're gonna do the like the top 10 funny plays and they hear the top five tough plays from the previous game and here are the five like non-tough plays from yesterday's practice right we're haul guys out like um you know everything like you said like movie clips tv clips like i would spend all like june and july formulate like watching movies down like sometimes you know we had some coaches on the staff that were uh huge movie buffs and would say like hey you know like there's this one scene this one conversation from uh you know pick a random movie uh you know like from caddyshack uh mm-hmm. can you pull this and i'm like yeah like i don't know how i'm gonna pull it but okay like because right. the, the the internet was a little different back then yeah, um you know so i was yeah. like all right like yeah i'll find it somehow uh and we always found a way to, to get the clip and sometimes they hit and sometimes they didn't but uh it was uh those that, that honestly that was one of my favorite parts of the job and it's one of the best parts about al too is that you know like I'm probably was the only division one video coordinator for football that didn't shoot practice and games from the, from the sideline angle, like go up to the top and like shoot the coaching film. Mm-hmm. I was down on the ground, like shooting the highlight film, like the entire time I was there, I never was up shooting practice. I was always in the back, like kind of orchestrated. He always let me like do what I did best. And like, Hey, like play into your strengths, find others to be able to, to kind of complement your skill set. And so, um, you know, I was lucky because honestly, like coming here to the Eagles, the, I had bosses that did the same thing and said like, Hey, like, yeah, like you don't have a traditional like broadcasting, like media, like background, right? Like you don't you know, no cameras, uh and like technical equipment as much as anybody i'm sitting in a studio recording this podcast right now uh, around stuff that i don't know how to use but they lean on me to say like all right this this is what you do well and that's what al did was like hey like i want you to be able to do these videos on a regular basis and as long as you can keep doing them uh we'll be in good shape 
before we get into your stuff with the Eagles, and I know that you could probably think of a few guys here, but so much of what Temple has done, as everybody knows, is Al's camps. You know, we're we're a couple weeks away from Stan Drayton heading into his second year, and Stan very importantly and very smartly got back to uh, hosting that first you know Memorial Day weekend when some programs aren't doing camps as much. Temple's getting right to it. Can you think of a couple guys off the top of your head that were the, you know, the guys that came in again, Al came in, he at the time was saying, we're out, we're going to be lucky to out recruit programs like Villanova and UMass to get a kid. So that very much was a developmental program and still is, and probably always will be. Can you think of a couple guys that came in with just no accolades that you just saw progress over the years? And then you, to the point where you just looked around and said, that guy is, is absolutely a future pro. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Bernard Pierce. It was down to us in Buffalo for for Bernard, um, and he was a local kid. Um, but we kind of like, you know, they saw that pretty quickly. Uh, it was like, yeah, like this guy is going to be the real deal if we get him on the campus. And yeah, Jaquan Jarrett stands out as a guy that, um, you know, uh, was they pegged that very early. You know, coming out of Brooklyn, we're like, hey, yeah, like he's going to be uh, a starter for us early. He ended up starting as a true freshman, started four years, and was a second round draft pick. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson was, you know, he coming out of um, oh, where did he? He was at Linden. He was at, he was in Linden, Linden High School. Then uh, was yeah. Hargrave did a prep year at Hargrave. To, right? Well, that was the thing. So like, um, so coming out of Linden when he was in high school, uh, he was lightly recruited. He was a two star kid. Um, and I remember that signing day being in the in our like staff room. And when like his you know when the fax machine rolled through and we got him and he was and he was locked in. Uh, you know, Coach Golden turned to Coach DeLeon and was like there's your, there's your future left tackle right there. Uh, and that, that's not what happened, right? He became a, a first round pick as a defensive lineman and he was, a, he was a monster. Um, yeah. but that first year, like, yeah, like he, what he had to go to, uh, he had to go to prep. So he went to Hargrave military Academy. Uh, and there that's when it, first of all, he was playing defensive line the entire time at Hargrave. Mm-hmm. And then also that's when recruiting interest started to build up. I want to say it was like, us Marshall and Rutgers, I believe, were the finalists, and, and Rutgers made like a late push, too. late. Um, okay. and it was like, uh, I was like, oh, like, uh, are we gonna get them? Are we not? Uh, mm-hmm. and thankfully, we were able to get them. Um, but honestly, like a lot of the guys that like did best, you know, I think like t- 2006, like Steve Maneri was a zero star like lacrosse yeah. player. Um, he was, I'm pretty sure, like had the scholarship offers to play lacrosse out of North Jersey. He ended up being a, an NFL tight end. Right? There were a lot of the guys that were like the zero star, like two star guys. Uh, did better than the guys that we got like oh like you know this was this is this guy's a three star it wasn't he was a four star at one point and then when he committed to temple he got dropped down to three stars because that's just how the uh yeah. the services work uh but um you know i think that yeah. those guys pretty good didn't at always pan out yeah. as well yeah um tell us how you landed the job with the eagles and again like oh, you've got so much great stuff that you're doing there that we'll get to but tell us how you got that job there and how you've been able to grow it yeah you know it was uh so coach golden left in um december of 2010 and uh, I had an opportunity to go down with them, um, was close to finishing my degree at the time. Uh, but that wasn't like a huge thing because I could always, you know, I could transfer and like, you know, I could finish the credits down in Miami. That wasn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, but my dad was sick at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and my wife and I are, she's my, she's my wife now. She's my girlfriend at the time. We're like pretty serious and we're unsure like, oh, she, gonna, you know, she would have come down with me. But um, it was just a better decision just to stay. I was like, hey, you know, what? I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stick it out, um, you know, see what the next, uh, staff brings and you know coach adazio came in um you know it was a couple months and i could just kind of tell like yeah you know like i'm not it's not the same as it was with coach golden right it would be a different expectation which is understandable that those kind of 
things happen. So, um, you know, I started looking around uh, and honestly, that was, this was during the NFL lockout in 2011. So um, the, 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 uh, the NFL locked out in March. Uh, and so nobody was hiring for anything when it came to the league. So uh, not just teams, but like, media companies like covering the NFL it was like, yeah, like we're not going to make a decision until we know there's going to be a season. Um, and it was, so I was looking around, I was talking with people. I did some inf- informational calls, introductory calls. and was like, Hey, you know, if anything opens up, let me know. Uh, I talked with some people here and it was like, uh, you know, so I actually put my notice in cause I, I knew too. I, the other thing I knew going in was like, if I start the season, like if I, if I, if I'm here for training camp, like I'm not going to leave mid season. Like I, I won't do that to the players. I'm not going to do that to the people in the staff that I, that I'm close with. Like, um, so if I'm going to he- be here, I'm going to, I'm going to gut it out. Um, but I made the decision like that. I wasn't going to do that, that I was just, Hey, you know what? Like I'll find something like the lockout will end. So it was, it was the end of June or early June. And I, I put my notice in and, um, you know, so I, I quit on a, I want to say it was a Thursday and I got a call the next day saying like, Hey, we think the lockout's going to end soon. Um, would you want to come in for an interview uh, here with the Eagles? And so came in and they hired me a couple of days later. And, uh, and that was that, uh, they hired me as a seasonal in in that summer. Um, and they were, they were like, yeah, like, Hey, this job, it, it, it doesn't, like, we can't guarantee anything past. Like it would be, I think it was one week after the Eagles final game. So whenever the Eagles season ended, you had one week after that. Uh, and then that would be it. Um, but I never left, uh, basically like carved out my niche and, um, my, uh, boss at the time, like said, like, yeah, like we're, we're going to keep you on. Uh, I ended up producing uh, Eagles game plan that second year, like helping formulate the idea for that show. Um, and we're now, we just finished our, uh, I think our 11th season. Yeah. We just finished our 11th season, uh, with that show and like, you know, just branched out all the other things we do from that standpoint on as well. So like all the articles, all the podcasts, different video series, um, just formulating ideas. And like I said earlier, like just kind of putting me in a position to do what I do best and, um, you know, not ask me to do what I don't do as well. Uh, and that's been one of the, the best things about working here. It, with the two, the two primary podcasts that you do, Eagle Eye on the Sky and people, if you're driving along 95, you've probably seen Fran on a, on a billboard, which yeah. is pretty cool or on Patterson Avenue too. Sometimes when I'm driving in to cover the temple games, I'm like, Oh, there's Fran still, yep. still with us up there. Um, that one and, and journey to the draft. I mean, any podcast takes preparation, but those two have really taken off and they take a ton of, of preparation. I mean, I, when I'm driving into work or I'm driving home from work, especially if you're, if you're, whether you're talking to any guests you have on, whether it's Dane Brugler, whether it's someone like Greg Cosell, you guys get so detailed. And sometimes I'll like, I might like zone out at a stoplight. And and if someone is, is driving like an idiot and I'll be like, no, I got to go back and listen to that because the level of detail is so it's, it's it's just so thorough and you learn a lot, which is what I think you want out of any podcast, whether you want to be entertained. Um, tell us about how those two uh, took off and have, have really grown to where they are right now. Because again, they're really, I'm not just saying this, they're required listening for people and you do a great job with them. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I, I think that, um, you know, the <clears throat> basically when I first got here, that was when podcasts were like kind of niche so they weren't like mainstream yet uh obviously there were some that were like had really like taken off but not now everybody does a podcast but back then like Mm -hmm. nobody was really doing like not everybody was doing podcasts Mm -hmm. we had a podcast channel on on, uh on itunes at the time that was basically like any interview we got or any press conference we just kind of threw it up there and it was like the philadelphia eagles channel and that was that Mm -hmm. and it was the spring of 2014 um, when basically like our corp sales team came to us and said, Hey, you know, um, we have this partner, we have AAA that wants to like, they want to do a, a weekly segment. Do you guys have anything that we could attach them to from a, you know, content standpoint? 
And I talked to my boss and said, like, I was kind of interested in like launching a podcast, you know, to cover the draft leading up to the NFL draft that year. And because we were just coming off the first year of Chip Kelly, there was a lot of excitement around the team. What are they going to look like? What are they going to do? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and they said, all right, let, let's let's try this. And so we we stuck it on to Journey to the Draft. Uh, we came up with the idea. It was video and audio that first year. And uh, myself, Chris McPherson and Bo Wolf now at The Athletic and the three of us did it. And um it went really well. We were really happy with it. The numbers did well. And so we said, all right, let's, let's branch this out. Let's keep doing other things. And so um, that summer, like after the draft, we said, all right, let's, let's, what other ones can we come up with? So we said, all right, we'll do an Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. That's where I'm going to do like all X's and O's stuff. I had already done the, uh, I was already doing an article at that point. Um, I'd been doing the article, I think for like a year and a half, where it was like, you know, film breakdowns after every game. It was called the Eagle Eye in the Sky. I'm like, all right, well, I'll just keep that branding and I'll, I'll put that onto the podcast. Uh, and then we did the Eagles Insider podcast because at the time we had an Eagles Insider Twitter account that would like break news. And that was the, all right, we'll have a separate account just for that. So we said, all right, we'll call this the Eagles Insider podcast. And that was me, C-Mac and Bo uh, at the time. So the three of us will do that podcast. I'll do Journey to the Draft uh, during the uh, during the offseason and I'll do Eagle on the Sky during the fall. And uh, we just never stopped doing it. Uh, Eagles Insider has changed. You know, Dave uh, Spadaro now, obviously, uh, the Eagles Insider, host the Eagles Insider podcast. Uh, and we've got a couple other channels uh, as well, but um, those have, have stayed true. But Journey of the Draft was the first one, uh, and then we kind of branched off from there. The very emotional Dave Spadaro, who texts me frequently during Temple basketball games. <laughs> he knows not to ask me about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm less emotional and not as uh, not as invested. Uh, but yes, it's uh, he is Temple through and through. It will usually go something like, why haven't they switched to zone yet? What's going on with <laughs> recruiting? And then he'll say, hi, by the way. Havertown. <laughs> I, I live around the corner from where he used to live in, in Havertown before he moved. But Fran, I think I've probably asked you this in previous years. And again, I I mean this sincerely. I mean, like, you can X and O as well as anybody in the league, as well as any former player. And I'm sure it's probably crossed your mind. Like, or did let me ask you this: Did it ever cross your mind as you started to build your brand more and more? Did you ever have people say to you, "Hey, man, for a guy that never played college ball or pro ball, like you really know the game"? Did you ever feel like you kind of had to prove yourself because you weren't um, a former player or a former coach? Because you would never, in a vacuum, if someone said, if I said to somebody, "Hi," Meet Fran Duffy. You're going to listen to his podcast. You'd never know that because you you really you know the game inside and out. Well, I, I to me, I honestly I still have that like insecurity, right? If I, when I meet a, a coach for the first time, when I meet a player for the first time, when I meet a, a scout for the first time, um, you know, and I like to think hopefully that they respect my work if they've if they've listened to it. And the, the guys that I know, right, that I'm familiar with, that uh, you know, once they get to know me and they'll, they'll talk with me a little bit and like, oh, like, all right, this isn't just like another like uh, media personality who's going to ask me another like dumb question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I I always feel going into every uh, new relationship that I do have to kind of like earn that because. I think there is a little bit of a stigma. Oh, you never played the game. Um, like, what do you know? And so I'm always trying to, I feel like I have to earn that every single time. Um, whether, whether that's right or wrong, I definitely do feel that way. Every single time I talk with it, we, if we hire a new coach and I, I meet him the first time and we bring him in and we're going to do like our X's and O's segments. And it's like, you know, I always, it's always funny. Like I'll talk with the coach. I was like, Oh, that, that was really good. That was, that was, you asked some good questions there. I'm like, Oh, like, you know, thanks. This is what I do. Yada, yada. Um, you know, so I, I definitely feel like I have to earn that every time. Was some of it rooted just in the Temple stuff and looking at the film? Like, did you ever have, like, coaches who were role models where you just said, hey, man, I know you're busy, but if you have time, I mean, I used to, I I'm not doing, you know, the stuff I'm doing with Al Scoop. I'm not, we're not breaking down film all the time, but Al was great. Like, I'd say, hey, can I ever watch film with you? Be like, what are you doing now? 
And he would show me about how a kickoff coverage, you know, broke down and like how if the, they seal off this block, Jason Harper runs for a touchdown. I'm sure that there are the, those misplays, but like, was it just stuff like that where you said, Hey, can I just, just sit and watch and observe? Because again, it's just over the years, your, your knowledge of the game has been terrific. Um, I would say the one, the first one that stands out that I think of, um, and I told the story on Twitter when coach DeLeon passed last spring. So spring of, uh, he was incredible. Such um, a good yeah, guy. coach DeLeon was great. Um, uh, and it was my first year in that 2006 season. And it was, again, it was like a, it was late. It was like a Tuesday night in like October. And, um, you know, he came in and grabbed me and he said, you know, friend, he was like, are you a football guy? And I was like, I, I remember this. Yeah, I, yeah, so yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't know, coach. I don't know. You know, I'd never heard that term before. He's like, <laughs> he's like, are you a football guy? And I said, I, I think so coach. So yeah, like I, I think he's like, all right, come on. So he grabbed me. We went into his office and for like an hour and a half, two hours, we sat down and what, and he showed me um, that he was big into like, you know, zone blocking and said so like, showed like the, the basically like from start to finish from A to Z, like, here's how we teach it. Here's why we teach it here. Here's how it's used. It, it was like practice film to game film, individuals to team periods up, up to, to game film, um, you know, the, all the different techniques and stuff like that. And it was just like unbelievable. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I wish I did. It's like I said earlier, I wish I did more of that. I wish I soaked up more of that information, but I will say that, you know, I, first I like learned how to study film, like working with like our GAs, especially and those guys were awesome. And those guys worked like so, so hard, like insane hours, like harder than I work. Uh, so you mentioned like Ryan Roder, Satyan Bakta, um, you know, Travis Manger, like other guys, mm-hmm. other like GAs and students that I worked with there that uh, I would sit and like, yeah, let me sit and like watch film with you. Pat Stewart was special teams. I sat and watched mm-hmm. uh, special teams film with Pat, uh, some with, with Sean as well when he took over watching the special teams film and, you know, just trying to like learn like, all right, like the amount of detail, the amount of information that gets pulled from every single play and what then we can do with that information and how we use that to our advantage. Um, you know, and then also just like in terms of like the scouting element of things, you know, working with our coaches and being in meetings with them all the time. And there are still phrases that I use um, from those coaches. Like they weren't doing it to teach me, but I was like, you know, kind of like an osmosis thing of like, yeah, like this is what uh linebacker play looks like. This is what a defensive line, the defensive line play should look like. Um, you know, our, our defensive backs coach, you know, coach William, Paul Williams, um, you know, like there are so many things like learning how to play in phase. And again, like it's from, Hey, like, help me friend you're building my teach tape with me this year all right like this is these are the different drills these are why and it's not, he's not teaching me but he's like teaching the, the players and so i'm like learning from that right so just tried to soak up as much of that as i could um and again i wish i did more of it well sounds like you did a, a, enough or as much as you could <laughs> while you were a full-time student so so by the time like you're sitting down with somebody like i grease or or again greg costell and like the copious notes i'm sure that he must have by the time you were doing that stuff did you feel uh, again, I know you. I know you well enough to know you're not the type of guy. It's like, oh, I'm. I've got it made here. But did, did you feel comfortable enough once you got to those points in your career where you're like, I don't feel completely overwhelmed by this? Well, that's what was great. You know, when I first took over producing Eagles game plan, um, you know, those guys, you know, like Ike Reese and Mike Quick and Brian Baldinger, those were the yeah. three hosts of the show at that time. And, uh, you know, those guys, all former players, like had long careers in the NFL, like all three of them would be like, like, who, who's this guy? Um, mm-hmm. But all three of them would say like, hey, I come up to them on, on Monday morning or on Tuesday morning and say, hey, here are the five ideas I've got. You know, wh- what do you guys think? And they'd be like, 
yeah, those Fran, those are pretty good ideas. <laughs> all right, let's let's roll with that. Um, you know, and those guys all it would, there would always be a back and forth, obviously. Um, but like those having more of those and being able to stack week on week on week, uh, at some point, like a, a level of trust uh, formed between me and those guys. And same thing with Greg. You know, Greg, um, I remember very very early, like my first draft cycle with with the Eagles. So the spring of 2012, um, he would come in and do interviews, and we would set him up. He would like talk with Dave Spadaro and um, you know, do, do different segments. And uh, I wasn't doing anything on air at the time. I was doing all behind the scenes stuff and you know i would say like oh greg like you know i was watching tape on fletcher cox you know this this was 2012 when fletcher's coming out like hey like you know it was kind of interesting like the way they used them and they would line them up at defensive end sometimes and say like this and so he could tell like and greg and i have had these conversations all through the years is like you know not every like no one knows everything right mm -hmm. and uh you know, to say, to think that, you know, better than everybody is silly. And he and I both think about this the same way. Um, and we're never going to agree on every player. Like, yeah, the film is the film, but the way Greg sees a player is going to be different the way I see a player. Right. But as long as he knows that like, Oh, like friend, like, yeah, you All right. Like you saw this on tape, like you watched the tape. All right. Well, what do you, what do you think? And the more I've met a lot of people like that uh, in the business and Greg is one of them. And one was probably the first one I would say that that was this way um, where it was like, yeah, like if you put in the work, like I'm going to respect the opinion. I'm not going to agree with every single one. Um, you and I will see players differently, but you put in the work, like, all right, like let's, let's have a good discussion. And that's kind of, that's the way that Greg always approached it. And um, I've always appreciated that. So we've mentioned this at the top of the conversation. Again, there's a, there's a, a large, Temple presence, uh, guys with Temple ties on the staff now. Obviously, Sean Desai, DJ Elliott's now the linebackers coach, and that was a huge loss for Stan Drayton. What what DJ was able to accomplish, you know, taking over a three and nine team. Granted, they went three and nine again this past season, but that was a pretty solid defense that he put together with the simulated pressures, a lot of sacks, um, a, a lot of exciting football to watch. He he joins Nick Staff as linebackers coach. Even Ronald Williams, the Nichols coach, was a was a GA and a defensive analyst here at Temple in 2017-18. Tabor Johnson, who was uh, a defensive coordinator with Jeff Collins, he's the assistant DB's coach, and even Tyler Yelk in the in the assistant to the head coach position that he's in with Nick was a, a Nichols coach here and a safeties coach. Um, I know you've you've still got a lot of time left ahead to get to know those guys, but did, is it kind of cool just to think about the roots that you have at Temple and and um, you know right before we started recording, you talked about how thorough Nick is and. Uh, through, I guess, real organic means, you have five guys with temple ties on the staff. Is that pretty, just pretty cool for you to experience working with the organization? Yeah, I would say that it's cool. Number one, like the the pride in that is very cool. And I, and some of these guys I have not met yet. And so I'm excited to kind of like say like, yeah, like, uh, you know, the, the, the EO, uh, the EO connection there is, is definitely going to be fun uh, to explore. And then even too on the, on the scouting side, I mentioned Rod Streeter earlier, but Amina Solomon uh, as well, you yeah. know, on our scouting staff. And so even a couple on the, on the player personnel side, um, so it's, it's awesome. It's really, really cool just to see. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, like Nick Sirianni, I think a lot of coaches will get the of like I'm just gonna hire my buddies and like the nepotism element comes into play and like it's a you know the the boys club and it's like oh I'm just gonna hire who I know that is not the way Nick Sirianni goes about his business you know when there's a position open it's gonna interview everyone under the sun and really work to find the best candidate and so to see that like yeah like five former owls uh have found their way here to uh South Broad Street is is pretty cool yeah, and we got to talk, sit with Amina in the, in the event that our friend Mia Nardone did back in the fall with a, yeah. a lot of the temple people who are working with the Eagles and the, the great job that that she's done there with looking at now the two players on the roster. I, I don't know if there's much more I can say about Hassan Reddick other than I would have liked to have, I'm going to sound very fanish when I say this. I would like to have seen what he could have done in the Super Bowl on a normal playing field. Yep. Uh, as much as the players don't want to me too. Me too. <laughs> but like, 
can you just uh, can you kind of contextualize just how good he's been not only just how good he's been but how he's really kind of had to really prove himself we know how much he had to prove himself in college and then how poorly the the cardinals utilized him and then he's been on these prove it deals and then like he was as good as he could be last year what when you look at him i mean everybody knows he's good everybody knows he's one of the best ed rogers in the league period but again a, a temple guy who's had to prove himself as a former walk-on what was it like to watch what he did this year especially at the tail end of the season i mean it was all i mean he was unblockable for the majority of the second half of the season, especially. And, you know, to me, when I, I reflect, cause I obviously I remember him coming out of temple. Uh, he was uh, basically like was off the radar going into that senior season and he blows up. He had double digit sacks. He was, um, you had an outstanding senior year, earns the senior bowl invite. And, you know, I remember like, Oh, at his size, like, He's probably not at every down defensive end. He's probably going to have to make the move to off-ball linebacker and, you know, going down to the senior bowl. And if I remember right, like he won the linebacker, like practice player of the week award playing Mm -hmm. as an off-ball player. And so um, there was like, all right, well, he goes down to the senior. He has the great senior year. He goes to the senior bowl, does a great job at the senior bowl for all intents and purposes, goes to the combine, has a great workout at the combine and pro day. Like you you put put us together. The athletic testing was great. It's like, yeah, like, all right, like this guy's on his way to going to the first round. And he goes to the to the Arizona Cardinals in the first round of the draft. And, you know, it's funny, like even going back to what I said earlier about like Coach Golden. And one of the things that, uh, you know, I always appreciate about his interactions with me is that he let me do what I do best and didn't ask me to, to work outside of that framework. And so, um, you know, when you look at Hassan, like, oh, like they did, they didn't have a, a good plan for him early on in his career. And they were asking him to play as like a, a will linebacker and you're going to switch positions and you're going to, uh, you know, play from a stacked role off the ball, you know, six yards off the ball and read things out rather than saying like, yeah, like, hey, like you became a first round pick because of your ability to get out for the quarterback. Right. right. Um, and so it took until the final year in that system, his final year of his rookie deal uh, where, yeah, all right, he goes off for double digit sacks and a bunch of them. I remember he had like a, a three or four sack game against the New York Giants that year. It was like the year, the week before we played the Cardinals. And it was, so I remember watching that on film um, or was, I think it was the week before we played the Giants. And so I was watching the crossover to the table. I was watching the Giants and saying like, oh, like, all right, like finally they figured out uh, with Reddick, like how to kind of cut him loose. Um, he goes the next year, he signs on with Matt and Carolina. Uh, and again, double digit sack season. It's like, yeah, like, all right, like, yeah, like, all right. This, this guy's got the ability to be an NFL pass rusher. Uh, the Eagles signed him on the first day of free agency last spring, and um, he has another outstanding year. So he becomes the first player in NFL history to have double-digit sacks with three teams in three consecutive seasons. Um, you know, I think when you look at Hassan, uh, his ability to win off the ball with his speed and his athleticism uh, is one of the best in the league, but he also mixes that up well. You remember like the, the play against Jacksonville late in the game where he throws in the bull rush to, to get home mm-hmm. for the strip sack, and that's the thing he does so, so well is get the ball back for the defense. It's not enough. And I, honestly, I remember um, that was a big thing with with Coach Golden, with Al in 2006, 2007. I remember we were playing in UConn. It was the Bruce Francis game, um, mm-hmm. you know, where he had the, the catch in the back of the end zone that they ruled incomplete. Yeah. My angle was right down the goal, right down the end line. You could see clearly that uh, his foot that was, was inbounds. I remember yeah. showing, like, literally in the tunnel after the game, like, telling Coach, like, Coach, like, watch. I've got, I'm playing the tape back in my camera. I'm like, Coach, like, the, the foot's in. He's showing Bill Bradshaw. And Bill Bradshaw watches. He's like incensed to him go back to the Reds. It's the whole thing. Um, but I remember like Brian Sanford, uh, former Eagles, or former Temple pass rusher, yeah. had a big sack in that game. And I remember the week afterwards, uh, the coach saying like, no, like, the side, like it was great, but he had a clean shot at the quarterback from the blind side and he just tackled him rather than going after the throwing arm and trying to get the ball back. Like, yeah, like sack on second down was great. 
but like go get the ball. And that's something that Hassan does such at such a high level, um, you know, in terms of getting the ball back. That's something he's done like going back to Temple. He's always been good at that. Looking at real quickly at Sean Bradley, and I'm sure if we were sitting here talking to Sean, he's going to say as a former seventh round pick, he's got to fight for a roster spot every year. Unfortunately, got hurt at the end of the year, wasn't able to play in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Is he going to be fighting for another roster spot this year heading into camp as they have more depth of defense? Yeah, I mean, obviously losing two both starters at linebacker uh, this offseason, you know, you lose TJ Edwards, you lose Kaiser White in free agency. So there are some spots up for grabs. Uh, you know, you draft Nicholas or you sign Nicholas Morrow in free agency. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, how that how that linebacker room shakes shakes out. You know, Davion Taylor still here, former third round pick as well, highly athletic. Um, you know, and now like again, just kind of uh getting used to reading things out from that position. I'm excited to see what he looks like here this year. But Look, Sean Bradley was in, you know, vying to be a Pro Bowl special teamer a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And so if he can be healthy this year and, and kind of carve out that role and prove his value there on that unit, uh, I think that's a really clear path to making it to this team. Everybody likes their draft at this point, but I think it's very fair to say that the Eagles had a good draft. Uh, it's such a big part of what you do. Um, give us a quick glimpse into uh, your view of what they did and what they're able to do with the trades, the moves, and the, and the, the, the players they were able to get, obviously – there's the huge Georgia presence. Anybody who's an Eagles fan knows the players they took. What did you think of the draft? Yeah, I mean, they got two of my top six players uh, in the yeah. draft with uh, with Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. So I was very, very excited. Um, you know, we were doing our show, Eagles Draft Central, uh, as the uh, as the draft was unfolding, and we knew we were going to go live right after the end of the first round. And so the Eagles are picking a 30, and we had a camera on us in the room as we're sitting there and we're watching pick by pick by pick. And um you know, after the Jets, the Jets picked Will McDonald out of Iowa State. I was worried that they were going to go Nolan Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, it started to get to that point. He got to like 20. And I'm like, look, now I'm like looking. I'm like, all right, like, who are the teams? And I'm like, ah, I don't think they're going to pick Nolan Smith because they're, they're set at edge rusher. Oh, like they like bigger defensive ends. I'm not worried. I'm not the, the Saints. They, they love bigger guys. They're not going to go for Nolan Smith. So I'm like, oh, Cincinnati, like they, they're, they're probably not going to do it. Like, and I'm sorry, looking, I'm like looking around. I'm like, Unless there's a trail, guys, like Nolan Smith's going to follow us. Nolan Smith's going to fall. Um, and then we're all sitting there. And all three of us, you know, myself, Ross Tucker, and and Ella, we're, we're sitting there. We're like, Nolan Smith, Nolan Smith, Nolan Smith. And they make the pick, and we all just go nuts. And so, um, you know, to get Jalen Carter, who everybody thought was the, the best pure player in the in the draft class, uh, you get him at number nine. You get Nolan Smith uh, at 30. Um just so, so excited. You get Kaylee Ringo in early day three, you trade for DeAndre Swift, you bring him back to Philly. Uh, it's just, uh, it's exciting. Uh, it, it all has to come together. Um, you know, every season's a new season. And so this is, uh, you know, this, this is going to be a new team this year with new strengths, with new weaknesses. Um, you know, and they're going to have to get through this guy. They're not going to come in thinking that, uh, you know, they've won the NFC already. You've got to be able to prove that every week. It's going to be a tough schedule, um, but it's exciting uh, to, to see what this team's going to look like when it all comes together. We don't have time to go over the whole class, but I think of a guy like Nolan Smith, and I wanted to ask you about him as it pertains to your process. Again, you're 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 married. You have a kid. You have other things that you need to do in your life, and and just evaluating these guys takes so much time. I mean, there are so many different takes on Nolan Smith, just like you could with a lot of other guys. Like, okay, he's a Georgia guy. How much do we look at the stats, the production, and stuff? When you look at a guy like him, or just anybody really. When do you ever feel like your evaluation is done of a player where you can say, I've watched enough to form an intelligent opinion again. We have to see how things play out. When you evaluated a guy like him, is he an example of a guy where you have to say, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. The stats are this. His role was this. I feel like I've done a clear enough evaluation of him. I can just like 
put my notebook down for the time being. Is he one of those guys where, because again, he, he, no one really would have batted too much of an eyelash if he, the Eagles stayed at 10 and they drafted him. I don't think they would have yep. been roasted for that, right? And he falls to him at, at 30. It's insane. Uh, to, so like, you know, Jalen Carter is a good example of what you're referring to. Like some guys are just easy. Like I, I right. you don't need to like really go too deep into the film to see like Jalen Carter is a, dynamic pass rusher from the interior, a really smart, competitive, athletic, disruptive football player inside. Like he's an easy evaluation. Um, you talk with a lot of people that, you know, that do this for a living and they'll say, yeah, like Nolan Smith was the opposite. He was, it was hard. You know, to me, John, like I watched him for the first time last summer. Uh, it was like last, you know, like late, late July last summer. Um, and this was off his junior tape. I thought John Nolan Smith was, an easy evaluation. He was a, he was a top five guy for me coming into the fall. Um, so like, you know, I, I might be the wrong person to ask in terms of like how hard the eval was. Cause I was so, so high on him because he, to me, like you saw all the traits and you have to kind of disassociate what he's asked to do versus what he will be asked to do moving forward. It's like, it's, it's kind of like a Hassan Reddick thing, but um, I think when you look at the structure of the Georgia defense and what they're asked to do and what they're not asked to do um, you know, not often those guys are asked to just, pin their ears back and go when Nolan Smith is asked to just pin his ears back and go this is a guy that can not just not only just win with speed but he can win with power he, he he's 235 pounds this guy will move offensive tackles and he did it at a repeated basis uh in the SEC he's an outstanding run defender both play side and on the on the back side of plays he can drop in coverage and do some things but uh, to me like you watch him get after the quarterback and yeah like he the rush plan has to get a little bit better in terms of like the overall like skill level but if you're just talking like traits, which to me, like if you're talking at the top of the draft, like you're looking for guys with special traits, Nolan Smith has special traits. Um, you know, th there aren't a lot of guys that are, you know, right around 240 pounds that break four, four and like jump 40 inches. That, that, that list is, is a short list of guys that have done that at the combine. And so um, to me, you look at Nolan Smith and you say, yeah, like separate what he was asked to do and then just look at what he did. Um, this guy, he, he's, he's a special. And, and then also everything you hear about him off the field and everything, every interaction that I've had with him, you talk with other people that have, that are in that program that have played at that program. And they'll say like, yeah, he is like everything you want from an intangible standpoint. He's going to, he's got a culture setter, a tempo setter. Like he has that kind of presence. Um, so, you know, th that's the thing is like, at 30, like the Eagles may have gotten a potential like cornerstone. Uh, he, he needs to hit on the field, obviously, to reach that. But uh, if he's able to be like a starting defensive end or a starting outside linebacker in this class, in this uh, defense, like he's a guy that's going to be your Brandon Graham, like flag carrier, team captain type of presence. Um, so that, that to me, Nolan Smith was an easy evaluation. A couple final questions for you here, and I'll let you go. I know you're really busy. It really, it's always wonderful to catch up with you. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Jalen Hurts. And again, Unless you've been living under a rock and you're listening to this podcast, you know how how great he was this season, what he did in the Super Bowl, had an MVP caliber type of season. But again, we don't have to think too far back to think that there were doubts about him. And when you talk about evaluating a player, this his story, where he was drafted, all the, the questions that came with it, you have been doing this for a while now, Fran. Would you compare the 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 progression that he's made? How cool has it been? It might sound like a simple question. How cool has it been to see? Because he got he was not a top five, top ten pick. Uh, people again thought it was. Some people thought it was a mistake at the time. And just it sounds so cliche, but the work he's put in to improve as a runner, as a passer, as a guy who processes things to where, where he's doing now, the contract that he has. Does this compare to anything that that you've seen his story? Because it's really remarkable what he's done. 
You, I, to, no, the short answer is no. Like, uh, to me, you know, and I, I like Jalen Hurts coming into the draft. Um, I thought that he was going to be a, right, a drafter right around where he got taken. Um, because I think when you're looking at the guy with, with physical traits and a plus character, you know, I remember, and I've told this story a couple of times before the, uh, the SEC championship game where, Tua gets hurt and he has to go in and he beats Georgia on the same field that he got yanked for the year before for, for Tua to win the national title. I remember sitting on my couch and watching that game. My wife's next to me. My wife, she's not paying attention. She's not like the biggest football fan, but uh, I've, I force her to, to watch games with me every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And certainly that watching the SEC title game was going to happen. Um, and she was pregnant at the time. She was uh, a few months pregnant with, uh, with our son and that game ends and, you know, Jalen comes and he talks to the media afterwards and uh, he does the post-game interview and it just like the, the whole everything, all the context of the entire situation. And I said, like, this is why I, lo- I turned to my wife and I said, like, Meg, this is why I love sports. Like, I hope my son, like, embodies, like, everything about this situation. Like, mm-hmm. um, to see, like, Jalen Hurts, like, in today's world, like, with the transfer portal, like, yeah, like, 99.9% of kids are going to transfer when that situation happens, we, we see it every year. Um, you know, he gets benched at halftime in the national title game. Guys are going to get their guys are transferring the next day. He sticks it out, tries to compete, loses the job, sticks through as a great backup the entire year. He's called upon in that stage and he comes through and leads the team to win. Like just unbelievable. Knowing that he's probably gonna have to go back to the bench next week when they go to the playoff. Right. Like um, just unbelievable. And, and so, you know, a lot of people will talk about, uh, in the draft process, talent versus character. And like uh, some people, you know, it's funny because you hear the saying both ways is like character sets the floor and talent sets the ceiling. Or you'll mm-hmm. hear like talent sets the floor, character sets the ceiling. I mm-hmm. used to be with the former. Jalen Hurts has converted me to the latter. Like, uh, you know, you are, you have, you have a, a guy with great talent. Okay. Like that'll get you so far. That'll get you in the door, but like the character is what allows you to reach that ceiling. And so, um, you know, there are so many guys that come in the draft every year where it's like, oh, uh, they go to the combine and they test really, really well. Or you watch them on the film and you're like, man, like this guy has every trait imaginable, but then you hear the stuff like behind the scenes about like work ethic and just like, you know, just other off the field stuff. And you're like, yeah, but is he ever going to reach that? You know, and so like Jalen Hurts is one of those guys, like every single step along the way. And I remember going through the pre-draft process that was 2020. Um, and you go to the senior bowl that year and you're like, okay, like solid week in mobile. I saw him three weeks later or whatever it was at the combine and watching him throw at the combine. And I'm like, oh, he like, he looks better. He's throwing, he's throwing, but he like, look, it looks sharper. Everything looks a little bit more crisp. Like this was a great workout compared to what I just saw like three weeks ago. Then you see him that training camp. And then you see him the next year and you see him like make steps every day. And like you go to, you know, from his rookie year to last year, obviously like a huge jump, he just gets better and better and better and better. And to me, like it's the, the character the work ethic. And we've all heard like some of the stories about like, you know, just the way that he goes about his business. Um, you know, I think that's a big reason why he is able to have been, he got the richest contract in the history of the NFL. Crazy to think that uh, yeah. based off what our thought was three years ago. Last question for you. Uh- What's your, again, the Temple didn't have any guys drafted this year. And so you, you may not put as much time until like looking at tape of those guys. And I wish the best of guys like Adam Klein, Isaac Moore, and uh, Jose Barbone, who were trying to make it as, you know, getting into rookie camps and um, trying to make it as uh, undrafted rookie free agents. But what's your view of where the program's headed now, stands right and heads into a second season? Obviously, in Rod Carey's first season, it looks like he pushed a lot of the right buttons. COVID happened in 2020, and then his third and final season was just quite simply not good. Not just on the field, but you and I both would talk to so many former players, and they would say, ah, they're just there's no outreach. It's just 
we feel like the program has really lost its way. I, I for for Stan not being a former Temple player, he seems to kind of have embraced that. A lot of guys are coming back. What, what do you hear from guys? And what again? Obviously, three and nine is three and nine, but there's a young quarterback that you can get excited about now, and a guy like EJ Warner, a, a, a linebacker you can get excited about, like a guy like Jordan McGee, and new recruiting classes. What what's your view of where the program is right now? You know, I think I think the big thing, you know, as you mentioned, the the previous regime, like there was, you know, there was a disconnect there, right? And so there was a, obviously a huge influx of players entering the transfer portal, and even mm-hmm. like this year, like Christian Braswell gets drafted in the sixth yeah. round. He, he was, you know, formerly a Temple. Afani mm-hmm. Maje was uh, a draft prospect that was in the mix to get drafted out of Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there there are guys like that where it's like, yeah, like you know, the your um. Who was the the center from a couple of years ago? They drafted in third round from Atlanta. Um, uh, Matt Hansen. Yeah, uh, yeah. So like, you have like these guys that, uh, yeah, like normally that would have been that would that would have been Christian Braswell, right? Uh, it was like yeah. oh, like a third or fourth round pick. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Matt Ioannidis, like uh, oh, like oh, yeah, he's a, a fifth round pick. Um, to me, there were a bunch of guys that left in the portal, uh, and if you have a down year or two. Like, you know, that, that can hurt really you as a group you. of five school. And mm-hmm. I think that this isn't a problem that like every team or this is a, this is a problem that is not unique to Temple. This is a product or uh, something that is going to be that every group of five team is going to be dealing with. You know, like if you're uh, the team and you have EJ Warner who comes in and has a great freshman year, if he comes in and has another great sophomore year, like teams are going to come sniffing around. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be, if you don't have everything buttoned up internally to like, make sure like the, you're doing everything right for, for your players and supporting your players. And I'm not saying that uh, the current staff is not doing this. This is, like I said, this mm-hmm. is a, uh, this is a, a nationwide thing. Um, you have to be protective of your players and the way to protect your players is to take care of them, um, yeah. you know, in, in every way imaginable. So uh, putting them in position to succeed on the field and off the field uh, and taking care of all their needs. It's, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's exhausting. I could not imagine working in, college football right now knowing what i did a decade ago and how that's i'm sure those responsibilities are like now tenfold um it's wild but you know that's the landscape that they're dealing with and i think all the group of five teams uh are going to be dealing with this uh over the court because and of course it does work both ways right because uh things roll downhill so yeah like you get players plucked from you I would think that, you know, teams in the group of five like Templar are all going to be looking at, you know, the Ivy Leagues and the FCS and you're pulling, you know, mm-hmm. Jared Verse goes from Albany last year and he becomes an All-American at Florida State, right? Like yeah. there are those kind of stories where you can pull mm-hmm. those kind of players. And, uh, you know, Zion Johnson was at, at Davidson and was a All-American, a D2 All-American at Davidson. And then he goes and becomes, he's an All-ACC player and a first round pick for Boston College two years ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, there, you have those opportunities, but, um, you know, you, you have to be able to capitalize on them as well. Frank, great stuff. Really, really appreciate all the time you spent with us today and look forward to doing this again. John, always a pleasure. Appreciate it, man. All right. A big, big thank you to Fran Duffy for spending time with us. Always, always enjoyable to catch up with him and learn a lot about his career. Those formative years with Temple as Al Golden really turned things around. And of course, all the great work that Fran is doing now and some insight into the team. One, of course, that went to the Super Bowl and uh, broke everyone's hearts by falling just short to the Chiefs. So again, thank you, Fran. Always good catching up with you. Uh, I promised you guys a few recruiting updates before we heard from Fram. So if you've been following along at alscoop.com, you know that Stan Drayton and his staff added two JUCO verbal commitments on offense and quarterback Forrest Brock from Santa Monica College and Christopher Smith, an interior offensive lineman from Laney College out in Oakland. And that's the same program that produced Diego Barajas, a player that... Chris Wiesehan is really high on as we start getting closer to preseason camp in August. Rymir Vaughn from our staff should be talking to Christopher Smith soon, so you can read that story when it comes out. 
And then across the street with basketball, Adam Fisher formally announced that he's added Cam Winter to his staff as a special assistant to the head coach. Cam played at Drexel before transferring to Penn State this past season, where he started 33 of Penn State's 37 games for, of course, that Nittany Lions team that went to the NCAA tournament where they beat Texas A&M and then lost to Texas in the second round. So if you're thinking, what is that role similar to what Mark Macon was to Aaron McKee these past four seasons? It's an off-court role as I understand it, but another uh, important piece to Adam Fisher's staff. If you're an Al Scoop subscriber, you knew about Cam joining Temple staff about four days before everyone else did when Kyle broke that news on our basketball board for our subscribers. So again, that's that's one of the many things that you'll get if you subscribe to alscoop.com. Oftentimes we're ahead of the curve on, on stuff like that and news like that. And if you're an Al Scoop subscriber, you can read my feature on Steve Settle, the Howard transfer who signed with Temple last week. He's a versatile six foot ten forward who I think could probably start for the Owls this season. We'll see how that plays out, of course. And that story includes much more about Steve and his story. And, and I got some insight into his game by talking to his former high school teammate at DeMatha down in D.C. And Jameer Young, who spent three seasons at Charlotte before transferring to Maryland, where he became a, a second team all Big Ten guard there and one of the better perimeter players in the entire country this season. So a lot coming up on the site as well. So stick with us. That'll do it for this week. Again, a big, big thank you to Fran Duffy as well to our sponsors, Greenspan and Greenspan. Injury Lawyers will be back with you next week with the whole crew, hopefully. More Temple football and basketball conversation and answers to your mailbag questions. So enjoy your Friday, enjoy your weekend, and we will talk to you soon.